Let's talk about how the trans rights movement is affecting private health insurance plans in Canada. Uh, there are some insurance companies here in Canada that are starting to fold in gender affirmation offerings into a private benefit plan. And I just want to talk about what that includes. Um, we don't have a ton of data yet here, but I wanted to just share what I've seen so far. My name is Yafa Sakaja, and I am CEO of Beneplan. Beneplan is a refundable employee benefits cooperative for small and medium businesses. And we're amazing. <laughs> well, I think we're great. So um, we work with Greenshield Canada as one of our preferred drug card providers, PBMs, and just wanted to read this to you. So this bulletin came out a few years ago, and they're saying as part of their ongoing commitment to helping plan members live their healthiest lives, gender affirmation is offering is another step in delivering inclusive benefits coverage that support plan members throughout their gender transition journey. This offering reimburses expenses that are above and beyond typical plan designs and helps to fill the gaps tied to services not covered under provincial or territorial government health care plans, noting that plan members will need to access provincial or territorial programs as a first step. So just to pause there, I'm located here in Ontario, Canada, and in Ontario, OHIP, our government uh, program, Ontario Health Insurance Plan, does cover... Um, you know, gender affirmation surgeries if the diagnosis of gender dysphoria was provided. So that, um, yeah, the surgery definitely is covered. In fact, um, we have a friend who works in the hospital that estimates that just in their hospital, they do about one surgery per week, one uh, gender transition surgery per week. That's just one hospital here in, uh, in Toronto. So Okay, so just continuing to read, uh, the following categories and expenses are included within the offering with Greenshield. One is called foundation, and foundation includes reimbursement for core surgeries not covered by provincial or territorial coverage, and services that assist in the physical alignment of the individual's transitioned gen gender. Uh, Earmuffs attempt or earmuffs warning, if you have kids in the car, I'm going to start to use words that not sure if you want your kids to hear or not. So just letting you know. Um, examples of this could include vocal surgery, tracheal shave, chest contouring or breast construction, vaginal dilators, facial feminization, and laser hair removal. The second part of the expenses included with the offering are focused. So includes reimbursement for surgical enhancement of the individual's features that follows their accepted gender ideal. Procedures include no surgery, liposuction or lipofilling, face eyelid lift, lip cheek fillers, hair transplant implants, gluteal lift implants. Reimbursement of eligible expenses is subject to a diagnosis of gender dysphoria from a medical doctor in addition to a reasonable and customary, or we call it RNC, fee per claim and an overall lifetime maximum. These RNC fees are designed to strike a balance between reducing the cost burden on plan members and maintaining plan sustainability. Now, Greenshield Canada did come out with this publicly uh, effective June 30th, 2021. So I'm almost two years into this now. Um, but they did say that they are including it as a gender affirmation offering as a standard benefit in all group plans that provide extended health services coverage. Um, however, uh, on an ASO and, not, and refund basis, I mean, our block with Plan is... ASO refundable with Greenshield. So there is an election there. We were able to 
decide whether or not this is something on a group by group basis. Um, this offering, which Greenshield says is another important step in delivering inclusive benefits, does enable plan sponsors to support plan members through their journey. Um, equally, the offering helps to fill the gaps tied between services not covered under these plans. In developing this offering, Greenshield consulted with a wide range of organizations, including the Canadian Professional Association for Transgender Health, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, and to strengthen the understanding of the gaps that exist today. To break down the numbers, they said that um, there would be an RNC fee per claim of $5,000 and an overall lifetime maximum of $10,000 as well. So they said the RNC fees are designed to strike a balance between reducing cost burden on plan members and maintaining plan sustainability. They said to provide additional context on what offering means for the benefit plans, they estimate that the impact would be less than 0.5% of total health costs across Greenshield's entire book of business. For ASO-funded groups, costs will flow through the extended health services experience. For non-refunded and retention-funded groups, this being a lifetime maximum, the cost impact will be built into the extended health rates over time and across the book, resulting in minimal direct impact to each individual renewal. They said, keep in mind that, as mentioned above, uh, plan members will be pointed to provincial programs first. If no provincial funding is available, they'll turn to their benefits plan. Now, I, I don't work with some of the other insurance companies in Canada, but I have seen the um, other larger insurers come through with other gender affirmation plans. And I just wanted to share that we at Bennett Plan decided to just do a wait and see approach because of the data and the cost impact. We wanted to see how this will affect in a non-COVID um, world, because again, this, this came out June 30th, 2021, when actually Canada or Ontario was still in a, a type of a lockdown at that point. So we haven't seen, uh, we didn't see a return to true pre-pandemic spending up until basically 2022. Now that we're looking at our numbers for 2022, we see that the spending has definitely normalized. So we wanted to give it at least a couple years of two turns of maybe the calendar year to find out what is the impact on the block um, because pricing is obviously a huge consideration. We also know that this is a hot topic when it comes to talking to plan sponsors about this. I can understand why Greenshield said that they're doing it across the block because I can definitely appreciate that most business owners we talk to tend to skew conservative. And so therefore I can definitely see business owners saying, you know what, this is not something we want to pay for. So I can appreciate why Greenshield said it's something that part that comes as a standard benefit. That said, on our block, from a pure data perspective, we reach out to say, you know, we just want to see what the trends are first because Beneplan sets the rates. We have the pen and we we hold that health rate. So we think it's really important. Um, the last thing we'd want to do is to recommend that a plan sponsor add something to their plan and then have to roll it back because the costs were more than anticipated. And I say that just as I would say for any service. So there were other types of medications and other types of benefits that 
throughout our history, when we started uh, the company back in the in the nineties, that there are things that insurance companies came and said, "Hey, we want to cover this now." And we said, "Well, let's just like wait and see. Let's just see what happens first, and then we will follow suit after." Um, we have to be really careful when it comes to the funds that we use because it is possible that an employee benefit plan might become very expensive and that will impact coverage. Um, I say that because we see a lot of plan sponsors every year start to cut benefits when times get tough. Uh, we're now entering a perceived recessionary period, whether you're listening in a, in a country that has a recession or not, like we're in a, an area of contraction of the economy, especially when I, when I say this here in North America and, uh, you know, Beneplan has been around for, the 2008 recession. We were also there for the 2001 recession as well. So it is interesting to see that anytime a recession happens or there's a contraction of capital and spending and consumer discretionary funds, we're finding that plan sponsors have to cut and we don't want them to cut back on life-sustaining medications or life-sustaining products that really are required. Uh, we do see them cutting back on what is perceived to be a want-based benefit. So something where you don't really need, like maybe you don't really need a massage to sustain your life, but you're really, really going to need, um, you know, a diabetes medication to sustain your life or your, you know, your heart medication or your antidepressant to sustain your life. So there's definitely a lot of gray area and subjectivity in that. And so Beneplan wanted to just respect the process, find out what, what's happening. And what I'm going to do is actually ask our partner to run some numbers and to find out, you know, Hey, they, they expected that it would be less than half a percent of total health costs on the block. What did it actually come through as in 2021, 2022? And we'd be happy to share that because I think we all need to grow and learn as much as possible. Now that said, I just want to liken this back to in the nineties, there used to be no cap on fertility coverage. And then as people started to use it, meaning like as people started to talk about it and there was less stigma around it and there was more help and, uh, resources around it, plan sponsors actually started to cut back on it because when, when the stigma started to go away of, you know, I mean, what people used to say like, oh, you're barren and you can't have kids or, oh my God, if it's the man, like it was like this very hush hush thing I remember. And then throughout the nineties, as people started to actually use it and say, Hey, this is a medical need. This is a medical condition. This is not like you waited too long. Um, or, you know, you're too stressed out and that's why you can't have a baby. That's not why. But then as the claims came through and that sort of pushed premiums up, then there was this massive, um, pendulum effect in the opposite direction. It was almost like revenge cutting. Uh, we talk about revenge spending in like a post COVID era where people are finally able to spend. Well, there was the opposite effect that we observed on our block. People started to say, well, we actually don't want to cover this anymore because we can't afford to cover this. It's either that or that. And, and I remember manufacturers sharing information with us, Hey, you know, this is our top line. Our bottom line is basically nothing. So we pay everybody and we don't actually make a profit at the end of the day. And we're not a not-for-profit business, just that like, you know, the dollar is, is weak or, you know, labor is tough to find and materials are becoming more expensive. So we just never want to put an employer in a position where they're starting to question the entire existence of the plan. So I think just likening it to that, this is a large item. This is a huge item. And I think when an insurer decides to roll this out, 
they really have to be very prescriptive about this is something you're not going back. I mean, could you imagine if Greenshield decided in a few years that actually, no, this is not something they can offer for the whole block because it's not profitable anymore. That would definitely make the national news. That would be a disaster. So I think it's really important to just understand clearly what is covered. Um, you can ask your carrier, if your insurance company has provided this to you, ask to see what the prior auth forms look like. What are the questions that they're asking members? Um, or do they even have a prior auth form before these expenses come through? Um, do they need to be within that country or is medical tourism an accepted item? Do, do they have to be under the continuing care of a Canadian physician or a physician in the jurisdiction that of which you live? So, um, yeah, all of that I think is really important as you're representing your customers um, and being a smart shopper in the world of private health insurance. That's the episode today. I'm always open for questions, comments, or if you want to be a guest on the show, you can email me. My email is yaffa at benandplan.ca, and you can also message me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Yaffa Sakija, and I'm the CEO of Benaplan. Okay, thanks for listening. Have a great day.